In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Happy New Year. Welcome to the future. Are we all excited to be here? <laughs> this morning I'm doing something that I have never done before. It's not a huge thing, probably. It feels bigger to me than you, I'm sure. But something I never thought I'd actually do. Do you know what that is? I have never preached from this lectern. Ever. In fact, I've never stood here for more than about 30 seconds. But I learned at the beginning of the pandemic that I can't do what I do on Sunday morning without all of you. I can't wander, I can't preach without a script, I can't look at the empty pews. I can't do what I do without you. I need your eyes and your hearts and your ears and your laughter and your input and your shaking your head and your, I'm not sure what's going on. I need that response from you so that it's more of a conversation and less of a lecture. But I can't do it without you. So. For this morning and for now, until we're back together, I will be here, hanging on, just like you. And even though this isn't how I would like to have started this year, with most of you joining us virtually this morning, the good news is that we can be confident we will be back together soon. We know so much more now about what's happening and about how to keep each other safe. And there's good evidence, I think, that this surge won't last more than another couple of weeks. So regardless, we will be back to our new normal very soon. And that's good news. Our virtual life this time will be short-lived. And as I said to you before Christmas, these safety protocols, these things that we do, as difficult as they are and as much as they make space between us, to me, they're a blessing because they let us be together. They help us to keep each other safe and to share the space together. And so to me, I think they're pretty wonderful. This morning, our texts are pretty fitting for people who are at a distance, who are experiencing distance, wondering about what God is doing and where God is, perhaps feeling both near to God because of Christmas, but also far from God because of this pandemic and everything that's going on in the world and all the things that this pandemic makes more difficult, all the ways it has changed our life both within and without these walls. Because it's Christmas, our texts are filled today with God's promises, with gifts from God, assurances, hope. In the passage from Jeremiah that Theo read so well, we hear that God's people are scattered. They're in captivity, and they're scared. They're exiled to the farthest parts of the earth, meaning that we're in one of those cycles where Israel has been carried off, away from Jerusalem, away from the temple, we think it's 597, and this is the first Babylonian deportation, so it's the first time that Babylon has literally taken them away. They've defeated Jerusalem, and they've taken the people of Israel away to Babylon. And the Israelites are living in a land that is not theirs, and they are crying out for help. Save, O Lord, your people, they say. Save the remnant of Israel. Save those of us who are left, who are in this mess, who have been carried off by the violence and the uncertainty of the world. And there's evidence in the passage, I think, that people don't just forget what's happened, right? They're not just saying, oh, this chapter is finished, but now we'll go on to something else. Instead, they, f they don't forget what their grief felt like. They don't forget what they've lost. Their sadness has a voice in the passage, and it lingers. It becomes part of their story. Their weeping, their lament is ultimately what is heard by God. 
Remember that when we enter this cycle with Israel, that there is an important thread of repentance, that God allows Israel to be carried off because of their sin, and God allows for Jerusalem to fall because the people have forgotten God. But then, even though they had forgotten that God was the most important part of their life, once they've been carried away, they sort of seem to put this back together. They kind of put the pieces back together and they realize that they weren't living with righteousness toward God. And so this text is kind of the turning point that talks about renewal, about all that God will do. It reminds us and reminds them that Israel has to turn to God. They have to choose to call out for God again, to sort of right-size their priorities and put things back in place, to put things back in order. It's true that grace abounds, but first, Israel needs to notice that things aren't right. They need to sort of name the error of their ways and promise that they will walk a different path. And the first sign of that is they're crying out to God. There is always, in this cycle of being carried off and taken home and carried off and taken home, there is always this turning point of repentance before God does what God does. In response to this calling out that we hear in the passage, God comes and acts because God is faithful, even though we are not. God promises that the pro- through the prophet that God will return the Israelites home, to return them to wholeness. And if you listen to the passage and the language of the passage, it's to more than wholeness. It's to goodness, settledness, sweetness, because they have remembered the Lord, because they have called out to God. It really is that simple. That is the only thing that they need to do. And because God loves God's people, God listens and sends these incredible promises through the prophet. Just listen to a few of them. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for their sorrow. My people shall be satisfied with my bounty. These were the promises of God to Israel, and they are the promises of God to us in this new year, on this second Sunday after Christmas. Wherever it is you're joining us from, these are the promises of God to you. That if you will return to the Lord, if you will follow God, your life will be like a watered garden, lush and green, full and flowering, calm and beautiful. This passage in Jeremiah is ultimately about hope that God will act. Hope that God will redeem us and fulfill us and transform things into the way that they're meant to be and ultimately to transform us into the way that we are meant to be. The promise for us always is that There's never anything so bad that God can't lead us back from it. There's never any place we've been carried off to that God can't lead us home from. Even Israel in in exile, carried off by by the world because of their own sin, because of their own doing, they received these promises, so surely we merit them as well. There is no grief that God doesn't share with us, no darkness that God doesn't probe with us, No emptiness and dryness that God can't, over time, transform into that green, lush, flowering garden. But then the question is, how does that happen? How do we get there? How do we hold on to the hope that God will do this? What does it mean to turn to the Lord, to repent and be saved? 
In the gospel this morning, we hear a familiar story about three kings, sometimes three sages who have come from afar. They follow this star that we've all heard about many times, looking for a tiny king. And I think often we lump this into the Christmas story, and maybe as an extension of the Christmas story, many of us have heard it many, many times. And so it's easy to sort of be desensitized to the story, but I'd ask you to look at it again this morning with new eyes and new ears and wonder with me about what it must have been like for those kings to go on that journey, not knowing where the star would lead them. How would you pack or prepare for such a journey? Maybe some of you have, but I can tell you that I struggle myself if I'm thinking about like two weeks, let alone a journey like this, across many unhospitable miles toward an unknown destination for an unknown length of time. And then along the way, of course, they encounter Herod, and we get this great exchange between Herod and the kings, because frankly, every good story needs a bad guy, and Herod is an excellent bad guy always portrayed on screen as sort of boorish and privileged. Scripture and tradition tell us that he is much too comfortable and not very bright. (laughs) Super ineffective, not well-liked, cruel, punishing, and just not very good at his job. So the kings have this little interlude in the middle of their great travel, in the middle of going this great distance, like Israel, hoping that God will act, believing and allowing that belief to spur them forward, believing that God will act. Now, we have the privilege of looking back at these stories and knowing already that God has acted, and we're able to see how in Scripture and tradition, able to read about and hear about and imagine the moment when the kings find this tiny Christ child, when they know the prophecy has come true, when they see with their own eyes the goodness and the glory of God, when they are warned to go back another way and to save this tiny child from Herod. We can look back to and see Jeremiah's prophecy come true when Israel is brought home, when their eyes take in their longed-for home. I think it begs the question for us this morning, what are you longing to see? What are you longing to fill your eyes with? Family that you haven't seen in a while? A place that you miss? A pattern? A routine? What is it in your life in this new year that you and God need to renew? What sorrow have you carried forward? What grief do you wish you could leave in the last year? What part of your life needs to be transformed and renewed? Are there places where you are crying out to the Lord to save you? Are there places where you should be crying out to the Lord? To save you. All of us, in varying degrees, are waiting. Some of us are waiting for the same things, but each of us have our own desires, our own longings. And the invitation of the gospel this morning is the same as it ever is, to be like the kings, to prepare ourselves as best we can for the journey ahead, for the journey of faith, for the trip that God calls us to, for the work that God calls us to, and to follow the star. And because we have the privilege of looking back, we know we have knowledge of this star. We know that it is Christ, the light of the world. We know that it is he who is our hope, our star, our promise, the light that goes before us, 
proof that God has, in fact, acted, fulfilling these promises that we hear in Jeremiah, and assurance that God will act again to complete the work, to renew the earth, to renew us completely, to clear the darkness and sorrow out of our hearts and out of our bodies, and to bring us back into the light fully so that we can breathe deeply again, to restore us to goodness and health and wholeness and fill our eyes and our hearts with those things that we are most longing for. This morning, the text has this to say to you. God has acted. God will act again. And on this second day in the new year, it is time to return to the Lord. If that was not a part of your plan for 2022, it should be today. It is time to call out, to reach out, to make this journey your priority in the year ahead. If you are in need of rest and renewal, you are longing to fill your eyes with someone or something, with justice or peace. You are longing to fill your eyes with a new world, with a world without a pandemic. Whatever it is that you're grieving and whatever it is that you are looking for, let this be the year that you follow Jesus there. Let this be the year that you follow the star when you can say, in fact, that Jesus is the star of your life. Let this be the year that you become a true disciple someone who follows after Jesus, who learns every day a little bit more to live and to love the way that he does. Let this be the year that God's promises come true for you, when you are transformed more and more, where the dryness and the emptiness of this life is transformed until you become that watered garden, the place where others can find rest and relaxation and know the comfort and beauty of God. Let this be the year that you make your relationship with God and this place a priority. Now, if you're sitting there and saying, okay, Marissa, I feel like I've tried that. Like, I feel like I've done that. This is not the first time. Then let this be the year for you as it will for me when you choose to go a little bit further, when you give more, sacrifice more, study more, when you are pulled more and more deeply into the embrace of God, the love of God, when that feeling that you get when you believe you've encountered the divine when you've found peace, that feeling, that settled, grounded feeling becomes more your way of being. Let this be the year that you believe in the miracles of God. Not just that they happened once upon a time, but that the promise always is that they will happen again, today, tomorrow, for you. Do not be afraid. There is no exile that God cannot lead you out of. No bad guy God cannot steer you away from. And what God has in mind for you is fulfillment and stardust. Amen. <laughs>